When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Monday morning, the last day of August 2020. Tomorrow is the start of autumn. I will hear no arguments to the contrary. We have not been through a month of autumn. It starts tomorrow. 1850-715-996. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. A very, very busy morning ahead. Councillor Jackie Healy Ray, I know Killarney very well. I'm down there quite frequently. Those kind of scenes, you'd see lively behaviour most Saturday nights, but nothing like that. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ, and to all your listeners. Yeah, look, I mean, this was totally out of character uh, for Killarney Town, uh, especially uh, over the last uh, recent months since, um, I suppose, the whole uh, staycation um, period has begun. Uh, at the, since the end of lockdown. Um, it, it, look, it, again, it's extremely disappointing to see Saturday night for the town of Killarney. Um, I know, as being a member of Kerry County Council, that the local authority and its members have put a lot of money and a lot of time into making Kerry and Killarney town a safe destination. And Killarney is, let, let, let's get the message straight here, Killarney is a very safe place. What happens Saturday night is totally out of character. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's unfortunate because, like I say, um, the local authority and the businesses have, have put in so much time and effort mm. and, again, money to making their business and the town a safe place. No, like the, I said in my introduction, Councillor Healy Ray, the, to see a, a party on the streets of Killarney and people having fun and enjoying themselves that's perfectly normal. But there was nothing normal about this. And in the middle of the restrictions under which we're currently living, where the hell did they get the pints in their hands? Well, look... That, is that, that being is, investigated? Well, I, I hope so. I hope so. And it's something that I would call on uh, to, to be invested. We all know that, that you can go to a, a, a restaurant or a gastropub and that you can have your meal and you can, have, you can consume alcohol with that. Um, but it would be very hard to see how somebody would consume level of alcohol in which a number of these people must have... Uh, yeah, but you're not allowed to carry your point out yes. into the street either. 
Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. So yes, no. Man, it's not supposed I to be in a plastic. I, I, to- I mean, if you sit down yes, and have a meal in a, in a in a pub, as I did yesterday, have a meal and a and a pint with it. You mm-hmm. don't get the pint in a plastic cup. You're no. not allowed to bring it out into the street. Who allowed that? And and what what level of investigation will go on there? Well, I wish I was able to tell you that here this morning, PJ, but I can't. And but I would be calling on the Gardaí to investigate uh, what exactly uh, led to the to those to those scenes happening in Killarney. Killarney was an extremely busy place Saturday night, um, and like I say, it is extremely disappointing for the county and for the for the business people in the town of Killarney uh, to see those um, being carried on. Because, like I say, we have been very lucky in Kerry over the last number of months that we have had such little cases, given the influx of uh, visitors that we have had. Yeah. Um, there must be like concern I, in in Kerry with with the, that level of boisterous carry on that you might get a lot of, a lot of COVID cases coming out of it. Well, I hope that we won't, PJ. Um, I hope that we won't because, like I say, uh, Kerry has been extremely lucky over the last number of months. We have had very few cases, uh, which is unusual given the the high numbers of visitors that we have had to our county from all over the country. Uh, we welcome those people, uh, but we ask that when they do visit our county, that they do so and conduct themselves in a very safe manner. Yeah. Both, like I say, the businesses and the local authority in our county have invested a lot of money and time to ensure that Kerry is a safe place for our visitors. And yeah. that is the message that I would like yeah. to vote that Kerry is a safe place. And, and no one's going to disagree with that in principle, Councillor Hilly Ray, but mm-hmm. what is anecdotal, uh, and you'll hear it down there if you talk to enough people, Airbnb is flying. House parties mm-hmm. are a big thing. Large groups mm-hmm. booking into Airbnbs from all over the country. We've already had one outbreak traced back to a house party a couple of weeks ago. So is there anything being done to, to combat that? Well, I, I, again, I would hope so. But I think that the message... You'd, on, you'd, you'd hope so. You're a member of the county council. Mm-hmm. You'd hope yes. so. Well, well, what, well, what I'm saying to you is, in relation to the Airbnbs, in relation to, we say, house parties, we are, we've seen there um, uh, towards the end of last week that the government were looking to give extra powers to the Gardaí in relation to help break up these house parties. But I think that the messaging is wrong coming from government. I think the messaging is too generalised if they're looking to get the message out there to younger people. Because I suppose that in relation to the virus, we've always been, we've been, always been told that while, yes, young people can contract the virus, that it's not as deadly to them as it is to older people. And while that may be a fact, that still doesn't, the, that still doesn't seem to be deterring them from going out and, we'll say, scenes like Saturday night, house parties that we have seen, not just in Kerry, but all around the country. Um, so, I mean, I think we need to get a stronger message out there, particularly um, in, in the coming weeks as the colleges start to return back all around the country um, where we could see a, a spike in, in such behaviour. Okay, but come back to my core question, and I don't know what the powers of the County Council are, but certainly I'm sure you can speak to the local uh, senior Gardaí and, and other such, and I know I'm aware, Jackie, that there was another tragedy occurring in Killarney around the same time uh, Saturday night, which certainly meant that the Gardaí were put to the pin of their collar to deal with things, but certainly it's worth investigating. Where did those young people get fistfuls of plastic pints? Where? I, I would absolutely agree, and I would be calling on the Gardaí to investigate that. You are correct, and even even myself, 
you have to admit when you're wrong. I was hasty at first with my comments asking uh, in relation to the event on Saturday night where I asked where were our guard when this happened. But again, as we later discovered, that Killarney, like I say, was quite an active spot on Saturday night. Unfortunately, our Gardaí were very busy with another tragic event that, that took place on Saturday night. So yes, our Gardaí were extremely busy on Saturday night. But I would, I, I would be calling that a follow-up uh, investigation would take place as to how exactly uh, this, this event occurred. All right. We'll leave it there, Councillor. Thanks very much, Councillor Jackie Healy Ray, independent councillor uh, for Kerry, Castle Island electoral area. But it's a small council. So, and he's a Healy Ray. So, when you associate one and the two. Thanks, Jackie. 1850 I don't know if you were in Killarney at the weekend and saw any of that. There was desperate tragedy only about two miles away, out the Muckras Road, down by the Den Eagles, there was a young man uh, died. We also had a tragedy here in the city over the weekend. I'm going to get to the two of those uh, with our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, shortly. And also, we had damn nearly a very, very disastrous fire yesterday afternoon. I want to catch up on that as well. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette, now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money selfservicelaundry.ie Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice more music choice check out the hit mix online for fresh new music keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice and stream the all new fit mix for your workout Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 On Court's 96FM. As I said, a busy weekend uh, for news uh, around Cork and, of course, Kerry. We had a Cork lad. Uh, found dead, unfortunately, or died uh, following an incident on the outskirts of Killarney. Uh, we had a young lad whose body was found in the Wilton area. And we also had a very bad fire, or potentially desperate fire, uh, d- disastrous fire at uh, Cork Builders Providers yesterday. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporters across the mall. Busy weekend, Fiona. Let's talk first about the young lad in the Wilton area. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, um, this was a young man, 28-year-old man called Cullum Casey, and he was originally from Keele outside McCroom. And emergency services were called to Eagle Valley, which is in Wilton, at around uh, 10 past one on Saturday morning. And when they arrived, they found a man unconscious at a house in Eagle Valley. And that man was rushed to CUH shortly, and he was pronounced dead shortly afterwards. Now, a post-mortem examination was carried out, and Gardaí confirmed afterwards that a criminal investigation was being launched into the circumstances of his death. And they would not release the results of that post-mortem for operational reasons. Now, we understand um, that what actually happened in this situation was that he was uh, playing with, well, involved in horseplay, like a wrestling type incident with um, friends after a night out and something went tragically wrong during that incident and um, we understand that one of his friends had actually uh, carried out CPR on him at the scene and um, you know understandably they're extremely devastated by what happened 
Um, now, the, there has been a lot of um, tributes paid to him over the weekend and he's been described as, you know, a very nice, quiet sort of a fella. So, um, you know, it's it's a sudden death like that. It's obviously very hard for the family and the entire community and indeed his friends as well. Yeah. Um, now, Gardy confirmed to me this morning that there is an investigation ongoing into the circumstances surrounding his death, but... Um, you know, it's not, um, I think at this stage, it's, you know, they're looking into the situation that was described as horseplay. Yeah, yeah, well, best best to let them do what they do and, and come back with the conclusions mm-hmm. at the end of it. Let's go to Kerry then, Fiona, and tell me the story of Dara Sheehan. That's right, PJ. Uh, Dara Sheehan, a 26-year-old man from Donnerail, um, emergency services were called to... Um, just outside the Glen Eagle Hotel on the Muckrus Road in Killarney at 11.40pm on Saturday night. And there was a man unconscious outside the hotel. Now, he was rushed um, to University Hospital Kerry, uh, but he was pronounced dead. And he, um, a post-mortem examination again is being carried out. And Gardaí are awaiting the results of that post-mortem uh, to determine the course of their investigation. But um, they did issue a release over the weekend to say that they were investigating an unexplained death. So they're very anxious to examine all of the um, events leading up to the discovery of Dara Sheehan outside the Glen Eagle Hotel, where it's understood he had been staying for the night. And they're interested in speaking to people who may have information or anybody who have been on the Muckrus Road at um, on Saturday night between the hours of 11pm and 11.45pm. And that includes any people who were walking along the road or anybody who may have been driving and has dash cam footage. Um, anything like that would be very um, important to this investigation. And if they have any information like that, they're asked to contact Killarney Garda Station or indeed the Garda Confidential Line. Okay. Finally, Fiona, yesterday afternoon we received some very distressing video footage, worrying video Mm. footage from Cork Builders providers. Now, thankfully, it was brought under control. I think a devastating fire was avoided there. Yeah, um, a lot of people had sent in videos and photographs and posted videos and photographs on social media of black smoke billowing out from uh, the Toker direction from around the Kinsale Road. And um, it became apparent that there was a fire at Cork Builders Providers. Now, it was at a higher workshop, which is in the yard at the back of the premises. And um, six units of Cork City Fire Brigade were called to the scene and they... Um, tweeted themselves to say that they had swiftly brought that fire under control um, personnel on the ground and uh, personnel using an aerial uh, ladder platform um, battled this blaze and brought it under control and Cork Builders providers themselves posted on social media last night to say um, that they are open for business today they opened their doors at 7 o'clock this morning and they thanked the fire brigade um, for their uh, services, and they said that it was their because of their swift uh, response and professionalism, um, they were able to bring this fire under control and avoid a more uh, devastating situation than what actually happened yesterday. Yeah, quick work, quick, quick. And I just I was spoke I, I spoke to the Gardaí this morning as well about that incident because they would have been called to that fire yesterday, and they said that they're um, not there's no foul play suspected in this incident. Okay.
Okay, that's good to know. Thank you very much, Fiona Corcoran, for all that, our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, there. Yeah, I was very distressed when I saw that Cork Builders Providers Fire yesterday afternoon for a number of reasons. One, because I have great time for Dan Toomey and all of his staff there. It's a great, great place. If you want anything, it's a fabulous place to go. You'd hate to think that anything would happen to it. It's been there, like, since forever. The other thing is that it was a year on, a year on to the weekend... Uh, when we were listening to conversations like this. Finished paying for my shopping about three minutes to seven, left Tesco's and heard kind of like a bang. I thought it sounded like firecrackers. Um, and then I saw that the escalators were turning off and people were coming down the escalators so you couldn't go up to your car park. Um, and then people were kind of, there was no panic. People were very calmly kind of unaware of what's going on and were kind of walking out the exit. And then standing outside the Tesco entrance, you could see flumes of black cloud um, billowing out of the building. Um, so, what did you think when you saw that? Um, I just thought of fire. Uh, people around me had kind of said that there was um, a car on fire on the first floor. Did you have a car in there? I am. Our car there, yeah. And uh, we came from the uh, restaurant and collected our car and been able to collect. Yeah. Is your car on the first floor? Uh, first yeah, floor, yeah. 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 Was it a new car by any chance? Uh, this was a new car. <laughs> Yeah, this very morning last week we were listening to those Vox Pops taken by Fiona at the Douglas Village Shopping Centre devastated by that fire on the previous Saturday night. The good news from there is that they hope they'll have it open before Christmas. We'll nice to catch up with them uh, between now and the end of the programme for that. But let's go back to the pubs and the scenes in Killarney. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, PJ. What would you like to say? I just would like to say that I think all the pubs should be opened because, you know, there's deaths now and it's because pubs aren't opened. Really? And I, you'd, I would think so. All these parties and all this madness that's going on. The young people want to be indoors, you know, meeting one another and everything. Mm. And that's why the house parties is... They can yeah. set up a house parties too, you know. They do. But, I mean, there was... If you look at that video, there was there was plastic pints there to be at the band that got from a pub. So some pub but, was serving pints. Yeah, maybe, but they wouldn't be... They wouldn't have been out there with plastic cups if the bars were open, PJ. I think they're being... The government are being very unfair to publicans. I really do. Yeah. I think they should give them a chance. I can't see the difference about by going in and buy something for nine euro and getting a few drinks and you can go in and, I mean, there's no one going out to get really drunk or come up and cause trouble. People just want to socialise properly. Yeah, but that doesn't involve climbing on top of defibrillators, climbing on top of of, uh, telephone boxes that... No, because they're getting mad because they want to get as much into them as they can. That's what it is. That's what it's all to do with. And let's face it, around Clarny and everywhere, everybody knows, you can get food in most of the bars down there anyway because it's a real holiday area. You can, you can. And that's why people are going there. But you're not supposed to be able to get a plastic pint and bring it out into the street? No, no. But if, if, all, if all the other bars were opened, they, the people wouldn't be congregating around all See, for the, one the, area. The problem we have, Sheila, is that, and Killarney being a particular case in point, but I'm sure Cork or Galway, anywhere in place, a lot of the pubs are very small. You can't have places wedged tight with people because that's how this virus spreads. No, but why can't they give the people a chance and try to do their best? There's many bars there that could open, I'd say. There are many bars there that can open and give the people a chance. So your idea is that we wouldn't have had scenes like what we had? No, in Cal- I don't think we had 
Dublin a couple of weeks ago again. I don't think so. You know, you, the more you tell people they can't do it, they'll do it. I'm sure you did it yourself, Gunnar, well, when you were well, well, there's to do certain, something. There's certainly that. The more you tell yeah. people not to do something, the more they're going to want to do yeah. it. So, I mean, people want to enjoy this. People are sick of being told you can't do this, you can't do that. Give the publicans a chance to be able to do it. And if they can't do it, close them then. But I think they should be given the chance. It's not fair. OK. All right, Sheila. Good point. Thank you. 1850-715-996. Couple of stu- Aaron says a couple of minutes of stupidity shouldn't be a reason to keep the pubs closed. Also, I'm sure the guards arrived after this and did their job. They did, Aaron. And to be fair, and very fair, the guards were obviously dealing with the serious issue out the road at the Glen Eagles. Uh, and that was a very serious issue and that involved a lot of resources. That unfortunate young man, Dara Sheehan, that alarm was being dealt with uh, at around the time that this was happening but there's another piece of video that I happened to see where a guard car actually arrives into the middle of all this and broke it up uh, Jared says blaming Airbnb is such BS no, well well, on, <laughs> the only thing I'm saying is anecdotally Jared people in Killarney will tell you there's a lot of Airbnb activity down there and a lot of people booking in for house parties in Airbnb. Evan don't bother blocking his face on our Twitter well, he's there for all to see in the video should have his face shown. I'm presuming you're talking about the guy up on top of the telephone box with the defibrillator in it. Well, unfortunately, my dear friend Evan, you have to, because the the way data protection is gone now, it's easier for us to show the video with his face blocked because of data protection. Finn says, so the guy, they have powers to come into a house to break up a group of six or more. Well, they don't, Finn, but yeah. But they can close down a bar or restaurant if guidelines aren't followed. Where were they Saturday night? Uh, they came on the scene a few minutes later. They were out the road dealing with that situation at the Glen Eagles. There was a party on Kenmare Pier as well, says Kate, until five o'clock in the morning. No let up at all. PJ, forget the restrictions. The people of the Lock and the College Road area had this all summer long. Beer gardens, pubs and clubs in every ten- terrace house. All the people of Cork were left down. The young people need places to gather in large numbers. Every recommendation was and is being broken. There are no rules for some. Well, let's find out exactly what the rules entail and exactly what kind of powers could be enforced. We had a lot of talk on Friday. I was mentioning it here Friday morning. I I was wondering from looking at the uh, what was supposed to go before the cabinet that if I have six people in my house for a dinner party and my son happens to be upstairs playing video games in his room, am I breaking the law with seven people in my house? That's that's what I was wondering about on on Sunday. Or if you have a birthday party for, for your mother, say, she is a, and, and you have your brothers and sisters, and that, oh, is that breaking the law? There was a prospect on Friday that that might be breaking the law. It never got to cabinet. They decided to pull it back uh, and not do it. But the powers under a certain piece of legislation dating back to 1947 are kind of there. They actually are there. Uh, let's get a, a legal prospect or a legal view of it uh, next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM.
So on Friday, I was asking the question here uh, during the opinion line because it was, it was coming out of the political news in the morning was the cabinet was going to bring in a raft of restrictions that would literally prevent me or you from having more than six people in our house and and would give the guards the power to break up that gathering and I was asking the question is it now going to be a crime to have a small dinner party in my house and and it was I think as a citizen I was I was quite concerned about that then in the afternoon uh, cabinet did discuss it but uh, it didn't go down too well across the cabinet table. Some people felt that uh, Stephen Donnelly was overstretching things, the health minister. So it was decided to make that holding a gathering of more than six people is a civil offence. Now, I looked at that and I said, what in the name of God is a civil offence? I've never heard of it in all my time covering the crime beat as a journalist. I've never heard of a civil offence. Tony McGillicuddy is a barrister at law. Tony, what's a civil offence? Good morning. Uh, good morning. Um, the, just to uh, help your listeners, I, I suppose, to answer that question directly, there is no such thing as a civil offence. So I think that was a slip by uh, the Tarnish that he was giving a press conference after the Cabinet meeting and he used that phrase. But I, I, I think as uh, any practising lawyer who I've seen comment on it, and my own view would be that it's a complete contradiction in terms. Mm. Because if we just go back to basics for your listeners, uh, if there is a piece of legislation or a law that is there in, in force today, there are two avenues in which that law might be enforced. One is on the civil side, where if somebody feels that there has been a wrong done that they can sue, or a government department can bring an action in the courts to enforce it, to make a person do something. So that's on the civil side. Yeah. Or the other way you enforce a piece of legislation is you say, if you breach this piece of legislation, that is a criminal offence. Yeah. And then you say, if somebody is prosecuted, they could be uh, receive a fine or a term of imprisonment. Yeah. And the legislation has to make it clear which pathway the the, 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 the legislation is going down. So you either make it clear that you have the civil route where somebody can bring an action for damages or you can seek an order from the courts to enforce it or else you say in the legislation if you breach this this is a criminal offence and and the legislation will have to make it clear yeah. that it's one or the other but there's you, know, you can have a situation where a piece of legislation can be enforced on the civil side and the criminal side you can make it a criminal offence and you can allow yeah. you know, a, a state body to enforce it yeah. in a civil action. But but you you have to make it clear that you're doing one or the other, or, the or other. you're doing both. What, one of, without getting too technical on it, I guess, was, was it ever a runner, Tony, that uh, a guard could be empowered to, to knock on my front door when I'm having my, din- my, my, my mother and my family over for dinner and there's eight of us there. Was ever that going to be empowered? You know, could you ever enforce that? Well, I, I, look, I think there's a number of points you could say about it. I mean, there, there's an argument in principle about whether, whether it is appropriate to give that kind of a power to Gardaí for public health purposes. That There's an argument that it's just disproportionate uh, to do that because Gardaí do have powers to, to come into a person's house. Um, I mean, if the Gardaí suspected uh, wanted to arrest you for murder 
or for a, a, a robbery offence or a serious assault, if they knew that you were at your house this evening hosting a dinner party, they could kick down the door without a warrant and arrest you for that. There is a power under the Criminal Law Act uh, to do that. So they do have a power to enter a person's house to arrest them for, a, for a, an arrest, what's known as an arrestable offence, something that carries a penalty of five years imprisonment or more. They can also enter your house if they want to search for evidence, if they've obtained a search warrant. Mm. So the, 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 the issue here then is, do you expand their, their powers of entry either uh, without a warrant or else expand the circumstances in which they can get a warrant so that they could break up house parties? And th- that is, there's a, a big argument against it on the basis that it's too draconian and it would be disproportionate. On the other side, there would be an argument by some people that because the prevalence of the COVID disease at the moment is in households, yeah. and if there is evidence of house parties that for perhaps for a short period of time that the Gardaí should have a power of entry in order to be able to enforce it and also that, look, the threat of enforcement itself would act yeah. as a deterrent on people so that that's the dividing line. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, some people will feel it's draconian and disproportionate. Other people will say, "Look, this is the only way we can do desperate it." Desperate times require desperate yeah. measures. So, go, so go, that's, go, the, there, that's the argument. There's an act uh, from 1947, which, if I remember correctly, uh, my history, I mean, was brought in to combat TB. Uh, and the was, spread of TB yeah. at the time. It was was it Doctor was it was it Doctor Noel Brown was the was it the man. Was, well, it, in fact, the act came in just before the act is from 1947, and and Noel Brown then was the minister for health in the interparty right. government from 1948. But, but that I had considerable what, powers, didn't it, Tony? It did, it did, and it and it still does. I mean, all the regulations that the minister for health has made, for instance, about wearing face masks in shops. And there was an ad there on your ad break there about advising people that they must wear face masks in shops. All those regulations are made under the 1947 Act. Yes. And uh, it, it is a criminal offence. If you're in a shop today and you're not wearing a mask, if a guard comes into that shop and gives you a direction that you must wear a mask, if you then fail to comply with the Garda's direction, you are committing a criminal offence. You can be arrested for that, can you? And you can be arrested for that. And if you're charged with that offence, then if you fail to comply with the Garda's direction, you can get a fine of up to €2,500 or up to six months' imprisonment. Yeah. And, so, and didn't so that act... That on... is there. Uh, but but, but there, there isn't any... There, there is nothing at the moment, either in the Act or in the regulations, which... Uh, imposes any obligations about a person in their own home. The yeah. only thing that is there at the moment is that there is a very unusual provision which is there from 1947 uh, that if a person uh, doesn't, uh, this is on the civil side now, it's not a criminal offence, but it creates it, it creates a situation that if, if a person doesn't take a precaution that they're supposed to take, Yes. So the current guidelines, and they are only guidelines, they don't have the force of law, but the, the guidelines from the HSE are that people should only have six people in their household. So that is the clear public health advice yes. as it stands at the present day. And there is a, a section of the 1947 Act that says that if a person does not take precautions 
which they should be taking to right. prevent a risk of infection. And if a person comes to, uh, 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 to their household and if they, because of not taking that precaution, they've exposed that person to a, a, an increased risk. So you have a house party and right. you have 10 or 15 people there. Right. If one of those people didn't get COVID, that person might, might be in a position to sue you. Oh. And it would be presumed that they got COVID at your household because you didn't take the precaution that you should have taken. Oh. And it would be up to the householder then to show that the person didn't get COVID at their house party. Oh. Now, there's, so what it does, what that section of the Act, and there are, there are a lot of other legal hurdles that one of your invitees would have if they wanted to sue you. But the, the only point I'm making is that the, the section of the Act does uh, create a, a, a risk for householders that yeah. if they host a house party and it's in breach of the guidelines that are there, if somebody at that house party subsequently gets COVID, that person may have a cause of action against the householder. And uh, I think if people were aware of that, it might mean that more people would be reticent about hosting those house parties because it's an unusual statutory provision. It reverses the normal burden of proof. Normally, if, if, if there was a car crash today on Merchant's Key, if I crashed into your car and you sued me for, for injuries, uh-huh. it's up to you to prove that what I did is wrong, you know, that I broke a red light or that I crossed the white line. Mm. But this section of the Act, it reverses part of that. It, right. it puts the onus on the defendant. So and and uh, so it, it, you know, if you had a house party tonight with yeah. ten or fifteen people there, yeah, yeah. if one of them gets COVID, and it, it, if they say, "Look, I'm going to sue the householder. It was his fault. He 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 breached the, the guidelines. Caused that risk." Well, then it would be up to me as the householder to show that actually it wasn't my fault that you got COVID from something else Freaky. that it was from your workplace. And no, look with co- contact tracing and and so forth. That might be possible, but yeah. there is a certain amount of the transmission of the disease which the experts are not able to account for. The community transmission it's accounting I think for about twenty percent of cases at the yes. moment. So the householder is taking a risk because they could have a civil liability in damages. Okay. To anyone that they invite that, that, their that's home interesting. Tony, yeah. you know the word, we're hearing an, an awful lot of use of the word guideline and an awful lot of people saying, well, it's a guideline and it's, lo- and it's not a law. Could you maybe spend a minute or two, for example, the guidelines on, on pubs opening and this, that and the other. When is a guideline a law? Well, look, we, we start off from the basics. The, the, the Oireachtas passes laws. They pass acts of the Oireachtas. And in that act of the Oireachtas, they will give powers to the minister to make regulations. And those regulations also have the force of law. So, you know, the law of the land is either what's set out in the statute or it's what's in the regulations. And uh, if something is a guideline that's set out by the HSE, it's just that. It doesn't have the force of law unless it has been put into a regulation. So there's a clear dividing line on the one side you have either what's in the statute itself or in the regulations that are made under it. That's on one side of the line. And on the other side of the line is something that's just a guideline. So I looked at the regulations yesterday. They haven't updated the regulations at the moment. 
the, the regulation that's enforced at the moment is still the regulation that uh, restricts uh, indoor gatherings to 50 and outdoor gatherings to 200. So they haven't yet brought in a regulation to catch up with the new advice. The new advice is that you have uh, outdoor gatherings of only uh, uh, 15 and indoor of six unless it's in a restaurant uh, or a pub that's serving food or for religious uh, events. But but that's not yet in law. So the law as it stands this morning is still 50 and 200. But I would assume that the Minister for Health, they're probably drafting the regulation. Yeah. Uh, and it will probably come into force today or tomorrow. I would think so. But one, once they came out with that advice a week and a half ago, you know, the responsible bodies like the, the G and the FAI and all those said, look, we'll abide by they the advice until away. the regulation comes in. And yeah. look, if, if any body came out and said, oh, we're not going to comply with this until the regulation comes in, they'd probably have heaven and earth coming down and then criticising yeah. them. But But... The, the law hasn't caught up. The, the, there isn't a new regulation in yet by the minister. It'll probably, it's probably being drafted at that's, the moment. That's interesting. A quick question, yeah. Tony, back, getting back to the House parties and, and the six people uh, presently under the, the recommendation. Does that include the number of children in the House, for example? If adults are I, having I, a dinner party I, downstairs? I, I don't have a clear answer to you for that because until we see what the regulation actually says. Right. The, the, the only thing we have at the moment is statements by Dr. Roland Glynn, the, the head of Nefis, and he is saying you should only have six people in your house. Yeah. But I, I don't believe... He is only giving that as advice. It's like there are some houses where there are six people living anyway. Yeah, they may <laughs> that means they can't have anybody over, you know? Yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is, and I don't think we'll know until the regulation says uh, you know, it may be that they'll say that, look, you can exclude children from that. But, but my, unfortunately, I can't give you an answer okay. to that. And no. I think Nefis are the only people to ask in terms of what the advice is at the moment. All right. All and, right. and then when the minister p- transforms that into a regulation that has the force of law, well, then everyone should be able to see what's in the regulation and, and see what those six people include and what does it exclude. Because it is an interesting one. Thanks very much. That's t- for your time this morning. That's Tony McGillicuddy, a barrister at law. So, that's, there's a great one. Going back to 1947. So, if if I have a house party and I don't bother with the regulations or the rules, and, and you subsequently, you come to my house party and you subsequently test positive for COVID... And I wasn't keeping to with the regulations. You may have a case to sue me. Wow. 1850-715-996. That's a very good question, though, about does it include the number of children in the house? And as Tony said, he doesn't know. And nobody will know until someone brings that question up at a Neffet briefing. Now, also yesterday on Twitter... A man that I haven't spoken to for quite a while on the programme, uh, one of the most respected people in his field, and we've spoken to him many, many times, put a stark warning on Twitter that we are in danger 
of being forced down the road of another lockdown. Let me read this tweet for you. A repeat lockdown is likely if we don't take this seriously. All institutions, pubs, restaurants and shops must take ownership of enforcing COVID precautions. All citizens of Ireland must take it seriously and exercise 100% precautions and use masks, even if you are not high risk. But the first bit, that's the concerning part. A repeat lockdown is likely if we don't take this seriously. That tweet came from a man who I've spoken to many, many times on the show and a man not inclined to overstate things. Uh, so if you're worried, Jack Lambert, so am I. Good morning. Good morning. Are we, are we, are we teetering on the edge of, of something that we'll have to lock down again for, Jack? Well, if you look at our numbers, our numbers, if we're getting 150 in a day in a population of 5 million... You know, look at the UK, look at other countries. They're 10 times bigger than we are. So, yes, our numbers are our, our numbers are big and they should be small at this stage if we were adherent to all COVID prevention methods, you know, and we're not. I was listening to CNN this morning. You've got Deborah Burks, you know, Colonel Deborah Burks, who's probably one of the best scientists in America, saying we don't have a vaccine She's wearing a mask. She says we can't control this epidemic if we use a mask 100%. These are important messages. We knew about them months ago. We haven't enforced them to two weeks ago. Um, we, need to, we need to kind of not wait for months and months and let the cat get out of the bag. We need to keep the cat in the bag, mm. keep the virus under control. And masks are a critical part of that. And everybody has a responsibility for enforcing it. You mentioned um, the no. daily numbers are growing, and they are, even though yesterday was, was quite low, but we, there's often a lag on a Sunday. We've had typically 90, 100, maybe 100 more per day now. But the numbers in hospital, Jack, are still very, very small. And that's the counter-argument that people are making. Sure, very few people now are getting seriously ill. Well, see, this, this, is, this is kind of misinformation. This, this, is, this, is people, this is too much Dr. Twitter and Dr. Google, you know? I mean, the, yeah, yes, you're right. You're right, the, the numbers are low in the hospital, but they're on the increase. I, I had nobody back in the peak in February, March, April. There was 20 people in our ICU. Today, I have one person in the ICU, but it should be zero because a person in the ICU is the tip of, tip of the iceberg. That means there's hundreds of cases in the community. So if there was 20 cases in the ICU back in March and April, that means there were thousands of cases in the community. So it's on the increase again. And if we just keep on letting it increase, it has, it's at risk of increasing uh, to, to larger numbers. I don't think it's ever going to be as bad as it was back in February, March. But the only way to prevent that is by doing the right thing. Could we end up with everything closed down again? Well, I hope not. I don't think that's the solution, but I'm just, I, I'm just saying that would not be my solution, but I don't make those decisions. Yeah. The decision is made by the Public Health Emergency Group, and they look at the numbers, and they react to the numbers, which is my next point. We shouldn't be reacting, we shouldn't be reacting to numbers. We should be chasing the virus and keeping the numbers down, um, and, and that's kind of the next message. I think we, we all have responsibilities. Um, you know, companies have responsibilities of people outside the building, you know, security saying the sign says do not enter is the law, enforce it. So everybody, you know, every organization has that responsibility. Every individual has a responsibility not to go in without a face mask, not even to put the security guard at the front desk, you know, in that situation. But I think the government has a responsibility to responding to this crisis proactively 
and coming up with plans to keep the numbers down, to keep the virus suppressed. And I don't think we've done that to the best of our ability. We keep on seeing the same uh, clusters, 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 the same ones coming up time and time again. We have to fix the problem so the clusters don't reemerge. The huge number of clusters uh, that can be traced back to family homes is certainly worrying, isn't it? Yeah, it is worrying, but still, if you look at over 50% of the cases, it's, it's, the, it's the classic clusters. It's the it's the, the people living in direct provision in inadequate conditions and people who are working then in, in poor conditions in these jobs that in meat factories that other people won't take. How do, so, how do we so, deal with that one? Well, um, I wouldn't... We need to make the conditions in direct provision better, you know, if, so, so there has to be, you know, people can't be... In, in a, a hotel packed full with people, there has to it has to it has to be the same COVID precautions in those uh, hotels as we would have in a private hotel. If it was a private hotel, they'd be thirty percent occupancy, all the right COVID precautions, carefully supervised. I'm not sure that's happened in a lot of the direct provision facilities. And then, secondly, and and the, the jobs that people are working in the meatpacking factories. Um, you know, we've had these outbreaks before. Obviously, there's 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 failures in the system. We need to kind of review that, investigate, um, train, supervise, you know, um, monitor, do all the things that we need to do to keep it from happening again. That takes manpower, resources, but we need to do it. We should be opening a meat packing facility that is inadequately prepared and isn't isn't practicing COVID prevention. There has to be really tight restrictions. It's sort of like Use a, use, a, use a mask some of the time, you know. You, is, is the analogy I keep on using now is how would you teach youth for sexual health? You say use a condom some of the time and you'll only get a little pregnant. No, you know, use, use a condom afterwards. No, you use it before. Same thing with masks. You have to use it 100% uh, to prevent all of the consequences and you have to use it at, in all situations. We need to kind of emphasize that message in meatpacking factories, um, and train them to do it and see where things are going wrong. All right, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much. Good to talk to you again. That's Dr. Jack Lambert, specialist in infectious diseases based at The Matter in Dublin. We need to keep the lid on it. And the way you keep your lid on it is you wash your hands many times a day. You keep your distance. You wear your mask when you go shopping or when you go on the bus or go wherever you're going to go. And you don't climb up on flippant defibrillators in the middle of the night and start conducting the orchestra. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call. The text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email for the show, opinion at 96mem.ie. On Twitter, at opinionline96 with the hashtag OL96. And of course, you can message us through Facebook. Just go to the Cork's 96mem Facebook page and uh, address your message for the attention of the Opinion Line. If you could, please. A lot of people asking questions about gyms this morning in the wake of the new restrictions. Caller wants to know there are gyms out there that have more than six people in a class. I asked one particular gym about it, says the caller. They said according to the Sports Ireland guidelines, once there are pods of no more than six people, it's okay. The caller has been reading through the regulations, the guidelines, and it doesn't seem to be that way. Can anybody clarify? Well, the gyms are open again. And some of them are 
keeping their classes very, very, very small. But it's a good question that the caller raises. If we have anyone listening from the from gyms, what is the story with numbers at the moment? Jerry then says he's completely given up and has no faith in either the acting chief medical officer or Neffet, as the statements they're coming up with to justify opening the schools are highly questionable. Ireland, by the way, has refuted the fact that 239 scientists from around the world have stated to be uh, that uh, COVID-19 is airborne in indoor settings. This is incredible, but to be honest, it's just typical. So Jerry has effectively given up on our public health uh, authorities. Now, you heard Dr. Luke O'Neill there in the news talking about the transmissibility of COVID in schools and the fact that most most children recover very well and, and, and don't ever get get seriously ill with it. it. I still worry a bit about the prospect of them bringing it home to Granny, but that's that's always going to be the worry, isn't it? Always going to be the concern. But the schools are open, and we'll see during the week what happens, and we'll see over the next weeks, coming weeks and months, how it works out. John has taken the bait on the autumn argument. Uh, I insist and I have evidence to back it up that tomorrow 1st of September is the start of autumn not the 1st of August I stand over it and I can demonstrate it but of course we were all taught you see that the first feast of St. Bridget the 1st of February was the 1st of spring it didn't so the 1st of August is not the 1st of autumn 1st of September is the 1st of autumn I'm happy to argue that point with anybody if they want to but a year ago this very morning and I drew attention to it there uh, in the last hour I I played a vox pop that Fiona took uh, this weekend last year down outside the Douglas Village Shopping Centre where on a Saturday evening a fire broke out in a car on the first floor of the car park and we know the devastation that ensued, uh, the absolute devastation that ensued, and still it's a building site, and still the hope is we'll get it open again by the end of the year. Remind you of another conversation we had that morning with Victor Shine from Cork City Fire Brigade. Uh, he was one of the senior officers on the scene on that Saturday night, and he described to me uh, the circumstances in which they had to work. Technically, a very difficult fire to uh, to tackle, as you can imagine. A confined space with extremely high temperatures, anywhere from eight to nine hundred degrees inside in the in the building at that particular time. Access was extremely difficult because um, you had to tackle from both ends and the sides with the hydraulic platforms. Mm. So overall, it was challenging. Huge resources put into it to protect the rest of the structure. It was a fantastic outcome. Uh, for the uh, people to get out without any injuries. It was limited to one um, one small area. Unfortunately, there's substantial structural damage to the yeah. building and engineers are reviewing at the moment. Now that, those temperatures he mentioned, 800, 900 degrees, if you consider that you roast a chicken at 180 degrees, that'll give you some idea of the temperatures involved. And subsequently, it emerged that the damage to the shopping centre was really really massive the fire the the car park had to be pulled down and the operation to to reinstate the place is is ongoing and i thought it might be appropriate to check up with our check in with bartos mizala who's the general manager of the shopping center bartos good morning good morning how are you good i've been passing that shopping center every day through the summer watching the work ever since we were able to people were able to come back on site and start building right. 
When are we likely to get open again? How how far has the work progressed? Well, we're on track for the for reopening on Thursday, November twelfth. Wow. And um, yeah, that's it. And um, you know, that's the date. So what you see on the day is obviously plenty of social distancing, yeah. and um, our main anchor tenants remaining. So Tesco, M and S, Max, and then a variety of, 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 of different shops of offering between, you know, library bank, you know, cafes, you know, shops, fashion, you know, so 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 that, that, that's the plan, you know. It has been a mammoth construction job because before that there was a huge amount of demolition and clearing out of damaged material to be done, wasn't there? That's right, yeah, yeah. It has been, it has been you know, the, the spectrum of work has been, has been huge, but I mean, you know, we've, we've, We've overcome the biggest obstacles at this point, and you know we're we're working hard now on the on the point finishes. Really, you know, so like the structure is there. We this guy's working in the car park, in, in the car park, in the switch rooms. You know, there's plenty of electricians. We've in the process of preparing the floor for an upgrade, so we're gonna upgrade the mass tiling. So basically, a customer will see a, a you know a brand new shiny shiny mall floor and, and a couple of other things like that. You know, there's a number of contractors for for some of the tenants on site as well, you know. So so majority are actually starting probably in the next few weeks or, or, or October. Uh, early October, that's when we're going to get um, power reinstated to the site. So there'll be a, a ton of work really kind of taken then again nice. and the things will be speeding up in terms of the fit-out. Massive, massive job of work being done. And, of course, COVID-19 interfered and you had to shut down for weeks and end. Yes, there, there, yes. there was a fear, I guess, Bart, that you wouldn't get open for Christmas. Yes, there was, and yeah, there was because obviously we didn't know what's going to happen. But we were absolutely thrilled to once the program was reviewed. Like you know, the, the pandemic has never really kind of you know we we've been working behind the scenes the whole time, even throughout the lockdown. You know, but um, I mean remotely, you know, and yeah. just on the on the you know architectural and kind of all the kind of services and whatever. So whatever we could we could prepare to be ready when the site actually actually opens, we 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 we, we kind of did, you know. So. So um, then when we were able to be back physically on site, you know, once the program was reviewed, we were actually, we were actually, you know, just November. So we just got slightly delayed, luckily. And, um, and, um, and that's it, you know. So, I mean, we're on target for the 12th November. Yeah. 12th November. And, 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 and indeed, you, you mentioned that the social distancing, we'll all have to, to mind ourselves, but at least getting open will be just, will be just great. Yeah, exactly. You know, we, I mean, we really can't wait to welcome our customers back. And, you know, the whole village really kind of everywhere I go, whether it's in Douglas or anywhere else, like I meet someone and people just can't wait for us to be open. And then and we're really delighted. It's really encouraging. And then and, and then kind of, you know, moving to when when how many of your or smaller traders will be able to come back at the moment? You know, we don't have the full we don't have the full amount yet because, you know, we've engaged with every single tenant that we had on the night of the fire. Now, we have lost few of them, unfortunately, as some of the, as a COVID, as a result of COVID, because, you know, some businesses see their, um, their retail sections, like, so, so, you know, we have lost few, but at this point, I don't have a full spectrum. We're still working with some of the tenants to see whether, you know, whether we can help them to actually, actually reopen on the, on the 12th, you know. Okay, well the 12th of November, Bartos, is 73 days away, and I, and, and as a man once said, that's not 73 days, that's 73 days and 73 nights away. So, the very best of luck to everybody involved over the next 10 weeks. Excellent. And we, and we look forward to visiting. Thank you very much.
Cheers, Bartis. That's great. Bartis Mizella, the general manager of the Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 73 days from now, Thursday the 12th of November, they plan to open the doors with, of course, social distancing and all of that taken into account. And hopefully the, the smaller stores will get to open again. Uh, the TK Maxx, he tells us, will be going back. Tesco are going back. Marks and Spencers will be going back. But we hope that the smaller places will go back. The one thing I'm so looking forward to, and I'll say this, and this is a, yes, this is a shameless plug. I cannot wait for have breakfast in Puccino's. I can't. But it'll be lovely. It'll be lovely. A 12th of November, the proposed reopening of Douglas Shopping Centre. Douglas Village Shopping Centre. 1850-715-996. Burnt down a year ago this very weekend and opening on the 12th of November. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Cork's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. The opinion line on Cork's 96fm. With the Junction Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot, and a self service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. The multi-Juno award-winning and Grammy-nominated artist Dead Mouse will perform live at the Marquee in 2021. The show will take place on Friday the 18th of June with tickets for this summer's show valid for the rescheduled date. Access all areas. Cork's FIFA records are set to release the long-awaited debut from cult Side indie rockers Emperor of Ice Cream this coming weekend. The album will be initially available on Bandcamp and will soon also be available on vinyl. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on Side. On Cork's 96FM. Do you have a TV license? Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. It's the law, so get yours at tvlicense.ie or at any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. VAT. No one likes it, but we all have to pay it. And even though it's being reduced by 2%, at SEAT we felt we could do even better. That's why we came up with the SEAT VAT Saving Event. With the SEAT VAT Saving Event, you could save up to €5,000 on your new SEAT. We'll even include our most attractive finance offers and a three-year service plan for just €9.99 a month. While we still have stock, simply call into your local SEAT retailer or visit SEAT.ie. The SEAT VAT Saving Event, your new SEAT for less. Terms and conditions apply. Your family deserves an adventure. It's time to seize the moment. Grab the family and the dog and uncover hidden gems on your doorstep in County Leash. Go medieval at the stunning Rock of Dunamase. Blow away the cobwebs cycling the Schlieve Blooms. Or picnic in the magnificent grounds of Emo Court and Parklands. With so many breathtaking experiences to choose from, Ireland's ancient East has never felt bigger. Make a break for it. Discoverireland.ie 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Still some people arguing with me about tomorrow being the first of autumn. It's definitive, and I'll tell you why before the end of the show. Tomorrow, the 1st of September, is the 1st of autumn. No other argument shall be tolerated. Uh, the 1st of August is a myth. 1850715996. Would you ever have sent your child to boarding school, or did you ever go to boarding school yourself? I remember when I was a youngster, you'd be causing trouble at home and you'd be just being bold and it was always the threat we'll send you to boarding school they were never going to do it ever but you're being sent to boarding school never going to happen it was never going to happen my father went to boarding school in in Kilkenny um, but oh, it was never going to happen but I remember reading books about boarding schools and, and uh, like Lorna Sixsmith you read Enid Blyton so did I believe it or not and and you went to boarding school and, and we hear that there's now still one boarding school left for primary school children in the whole of Ireland we thought it was gone didn't we good morning to you good morning PJ when did you go oh gosh a long time ago 1981 to 1987 right and was it whose decision was it that you would go Oh, gosh. Well, my parents, I suppose. But it was sort of always a given that I was going to go, I think. Um, now, it wasn't far away. I got home every weekend. It wasn't one of the boarding schools that when I got home every six weeks or once a term. But, yeah, it wasn't far away. It was only 20 miles away. Mm, and um, and did you enjoy it? I was very homesick at times. But there were times when I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I still have good friends from it. I mean, 30 years on. It was over 30 years on. And there's a group of six or seven of us that we meet up twice a year. Well, obviously, we can't now with COVID. But, mm. um, you know, so I think one of the things at boarding schools, I think you often make friends that are lifelong friends. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a very regimented type day, was it? Oh, gosh. Yes and no. In that, obviously, there was a timetable. And the school I went to as well, we all had our jobs. You know what I mean? So if you were in a particular year, one week a year, you'd have to, or one week a term, you'd have to set the tables or clear them off or ring the bells. or You know, so, you know there was jobs like that. Um, and yes, of course, once you got back into school, there was sport or there were some other activities to do. And then after tea, there was prep. And then there was lights off, and all the things you read about in the, in the Ina Blyton books or the Mallory Towers or what have you. And um, and yes, we had midnight feasts as well, so it was fun too. But yeah, yeah it's you know, it's um, it was very mixed in that there was very good times and there was bad times. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes. And do your own children go to um, boarding school? No, they go to a school that's a day and a boarding school. Uh, the same school I went to, Kilkenny College. Right. But we're near enough for them to go as day pupils at 17 miles away. Right. And would you ever have thought of sending them as boarders? No. <laughs> no. To be honest, they're both going in. They're going into fifth and sixth year now. And I'm sort of very conscious that I only have them for another two years before they're going off to university. Um, you know, that's killing me as it is because they're probably going to go abroad to university. Yeah. So, you know, like, I mean, lots of kids love the boarding. And I don't know, while I don't think mine would have loved it in first year, they might have gone on to do so. But as a parent, no, I couldn't do it. Isn't it funny know? that we as parents couldn't do it and you as a parent say you couldn't do it? But our parents or your parents didn't have a second thought about it. 
I know, I know. But then there's lots of, you know, there's something like 400 kids going to that, that school as boarders. So there's lots of parents doing it still. Um, and the seat is the, perhaps the best thing or what have you. But just on a personal level, you know, I, you know, I have them for 18 and 19 years and then they're going to be off into the big wide world. And, you know, it's not a long time either, you know. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're right. All right, Lorna, thanks very much. That's Lorna, journalist Lorna, Lorna Sixsmith. Were you, anyone listening to us was at boarding school or is contemplating sending a kid to board? Are there any boarding schools out there these days? Probably for secondary, not... Not primary, because the one I'm reading about is the Headford School in Kells in County Meath, which is open from children between 4 to 13. Yeah, 13. The fees for the place are 7 grand a year for day pupils, 14 grand for boarders. But you can actually send children to junior infants to boarding school. Would you do that? Or is, as Lorna says, like our, in, in older times, it was considered okay to send your children off for 10, 12 weeks at a time, or in Lorna's case, just bring them home at the weekends to a boarding school. Now she couldn't contemplate the idea of sending her kids off to boarding school because when they get to 18 or 19, they're gone anyway. And she'll miss them too, too much. So, but throw it out to yourself. I know Alex went to boarding school and hated it. Uh, Alex, morning to you. Good morning. You, you, you just hated it. Oh, I really, really did. I, I, you know, I was thinking the only redeemable thing about boarding school was the fact that it did make me incredibly independent. I will have to say that, you know, the, the benefits came after it and um, I am fiercely independent and I was able to go to Canada on my own and everything. But the experience itself, no. All I ever wanted to do was go to Regina Monday with the purple uniform and I was shipped off. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I went down to Carrick too, down to St. Aloysius. They don't have orders there anymore. Yeah. Um, but they did at the time and 
I don't know if it was because it was a Monday to Friday boarding school. Excuse me. So you never kind of, you went in Monday, you came home Friday. Mm. So you didn't stay there all of the time. And Can you remember why it was your parents chose to send you there? I, I remember we used to go to Rosslare for the last two weeks of August every year. And I remember randomly just being told as we drove, because you had to drive through Cartoon at the time to get to Rosslare. And I just remember being randomly told, this is my memory of it. Oh, by the way, you're, this is where you're going to go to school, boarding school. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't want to go down here. Um, so it was just kind of put upon me. And um, yeah, no. I just, I Did you ever ask them why, even later? Um, I know that my mum now would have a very different telling of that story. Bless her. <laughs> if she was on the other line now, she'd be like, that's not how it happened. <laughs> um, I used to read loads and I was mad for Mallory Towers, just mad for them, you know, yeah. when we were young. So I think the link was made from the books to the school, but that wouldn't be my memory of it. There was um, Mallory Towers and there was St. Clair's. And there were Centrinians yeah. as well. They were the, I read the Mallory Towers ones. I read, believe it or not, and they were written for girls. Mm. I, read, I read them all. I read the did Mallory yeah. Towers and read all the St. Clair's books. I did, yeah. I did, I did, yeah. yeah. And, and, they were uh, nothing like the books. No, the I imagine they weren't. No, no. <laughs> the nuns, oh my God. Like, yeah. you know, really nuns. So it was, yeah, no, definitely, absolutely, categorically not for me. I, I, I'd, say, I'd say I don't know, like... Like, did you ever settle into it? Did you ever get... No, no, I didn't. And I remember then, I did until my junior cert, my intercert, whatever. And then I, to be honest, to this day, I'd say I either got kicked out and they were asked not to bring me back for fifth <laughs> year, or my parents were sick and tired of listening to me say I hated so much. So then they did... Um, pulled me out and put me to another school then to do my leaving search. And was it loneliness, Alex, or was it that you just... Yeah. yeah? I, do you know what I think what it was? Again, because it was Monday through Friday. So what was happening was I had gone to Eglantine Primary School. Most of my primary school friends had gone into Regina Monday because that's the feeder school from yeah. there. And I think then what happened was I was down in a school where I had another set of friends but spread out all over Munster. And then at the weekends, I was coming home and my friends were already, they were off doing their own thing with their new friends. So I always felt like I was kind of lost in the middle of all of that. Gotcha. Um, and, I, and, I, and I was the only girl, my two younger brothers, and I just, I, I, I'll be honest, I felt very, um, like, put on, you know. It's like, why, why are you getting rid of me? <laughs> my brothers didn't go to boarding school. Um, but it was, I think it was a mix of that. It was the whole, I was down there, I wasn't with my family, but then at the weekends I was lost as well because, you know, all of my other friends were at a new school with new activities and new friends and yeah. mine were kind of spread out all over Munster. Did, so did, did, it, did, it, did it you have work. it out with your parents as to what the hell, why have you done this with me? Yeah, you know, and I, and I kind of think that's why eventually I remember very clearly um, at the end of third year being brought into town to get my books and my uniform and, you know, being told, oh, by I was like, that's not the colour of my uniform. And my mum said, yeah, you're not going back there. I think they were just like, we're just taking you out, um, you know, because I, I was just, 
I just didn't like it at all. You know, just from, it was just everything. It was, you know, the, the, the sitting in the study hall and you couldn't get up. And yeah. um, I remember after I got suspended because I remember the books, Flowers in the Attic. I do, of course. I was reading one underneath, um, you know, an English book. And one of the nuns caught me in study. I was a nightmare down there. Like One of the nuns caught me in study and I was sent home. But then I discovered if I got myself suspended, they'd actually send me home. I was a nightmare. I hated it. <laughs> so therefore, there was never a prospect of you sending your own lad away to Oh my school. gosh. Absolutely never. There was never. No way. No way, no how. Yeah. No way. He, he has leaving, sir, if I remember rightly. Oh, he does, PJ. Yeah, next week now we're waiting for the dreaded results. It's a bit... Here, look, as you know, everybody has been affected by COVID and uh, the leaving cert here, particularly so... So we are waiting now for whatever the stat will bring on Monday. Sure, who knows? Has he any idea what he wants to do? Yeah, creative digital media. Nice. He actually decided, and I'm so glad he did, he wanted to go to St. John's to the PLC before CIT. Um, He kind of found that that might suit him a little bit better than going straight into college and now in hindsight was probably the best thing oh, he yeah. ever decided He'll get a great um, grounding in St John's in terms he will too. really get a great grounding uh, they're lovely in there but also I think it's going to be such a good experience in the midst of a pandemic and then he'll get to hopefully hopefully this time next year we'll be in a better position with the with the virus and yeah. he'll get to then experience you know like college the proper, way it's supposed to be college. experienced proper yeah college, so yeah. Yeah, we waited bated breath, but right. I mean, look, he, he couldn't do any worse than I did anyway. I was a disaster, so anything, anything's an up from me. You were a proper tear away, weren't you? I was, but I turned out very well in the end. I went to college, I've got like, you know, I've got great qualifications and a Good great job. I just took the scenic route, but I was a nightmare, yeah. Totally. Alex, always, always a pleasure. It's been a while since we Thanks, spoke. PJ. Thanks very much. That's Alex. 1850-715-996. Went to boarding school, got herself suspended a couple of times, got yanked out of it ah yeah 1850-715 I did I read all those books I read all those Enid Blyton books they were great books and the, the Centrinians movies I still watch them today the, the, the Mallory Towers and St. Clair's yeah I was into diversity even then <laughs> so if I stand in front of a speeding car Would you tell me who you are Or what you like What's on your mind if I get it right How I love that no one knows And this secret's all that we've got so far The demons in the dark lie again Play pretends like it never ends This way no one has to know Even a half smile would help slow down the time If I could call you half mine Maybe this is the safest way to go We're singing This is the safest way to go Nobody gets hurt We're singing You go back to him and then I'll go back to her so if I stand in front of a speeding car Would you give your little heart? Say the word, I'll do it too Just me and you, this way everyone will know Cause the secret's all that we've got so far The demons in the dark lie again Play pretends like it never ends This way no one has to know Even a half smile would help slow down the time If I could call you half my 
There, Doc, it just dropped it on my, my own silly fault. Banana fingers. 1857-15996. That's walking on cars. Uh, speeding cars on Cork's 96 FM. A couple of people, I think, <laughs> want to give out to me or fight with me or argue with me about the seasons. I will stand over my seasons until they drag me out of here kicking and screaming. Another thing, too, I want you to think about... Um, it just dawned on me, I looked at the date, 31st of August, and we were looking back at last year, and of course that was Douglas Village Shopping Centre, and I was watching, it still is one of my favourite shows, uh, Reeling in the Years, it's got to be one of the best television shows ever produced in Ireland. Now, they were doing 1963, and of course the whole John F. Kennedy thing was in it, and I remember... You know, my parents' generation, that was their moment. Everyone could tell you where they were and what they were doing when they heard the news about John F. Kennedy. And for my generation, it was kind of Elvis as well. I remember being hearing when Elvis had died. But I suppose as an adult, the one that always springs to mind is where were you and what were you doing when you heard that Princess Diana had died? Because that was 20, that was, that was this day in 1996, we learned. That Princess Diana had died. Believe it or not. Yeah. August the 31st. So where were you? What were you doing? I might I'll share my memory with you if you share your memory with me. And the people of a certain generation. I mean, if you're a young teenager or young person in the 90s. 1997. Thank you. 1997. Uh, August 31st, 1997. Where were you? What were you doing? Just occurred to me, given the date we're here. 1850-715-996. Lisa Marie has done something that I did years ago and that a lot of people are starting to do, and that is after almost 20 years of raising children, you've got your own room at last, Lisa Marie. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Great altogether. Um, 20, 20 years of raising children and and living the way it, with the restrictions of that and moving from bed to bed and trying to settle one child and look after another, you finally got your own space. I do, I do. It's actually, I've, like, I've shared a room. I've been married 33 years. 
So I've shared a room with someone else for that long, a bit longer, because we lived together first. Yeah. But my kids are different. My kids, um, they're both adults, but they both have autism. Yeah. So it hasn't stopped. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop, <laughs> the, does it? No. The, the co-living and the co-sleeping and the, you know, your whole whole life revolves around making sure that they're safe to begin with, calm, and then, you know, hopefully happy. So. Yeah. Um, it's it's an awful lot of yourself that has to be put aside, basically. And you have no space to yourself, or no, no time or no, space to yourself. Not at all. No, no. I um. But, but after the recession, my husband got a job in the north, and he used to commute on a Monday and then come back on a Friday for five years. And I found that um, I rather enjoyed having my time to myself yeah. for a while. So. I did that foolish thing of when you finally got everybody to sleep, instead of going to sleep yourself, I would sort of sit up for a while and just do things on my own and, and go to sleep when I wanted to. And and I found that on the weekends, as, as great as it was to have him back, there was just that thing where your routine was around someone else yeah. again. And um, at the start of COVID, uh, my husband was back here in, in, our, in, in the South and he got a job with a transport company, which, um, you know, essential work, making sure everyone's got enough Heineken. But he had to get up at five and he was out of the house by 20 past six. But on the other hand, he, you know, needed to go to sleep at nine. So I just found that I was kicked out of my room <laughs> as I was thinking of it. And as you know, COVID, all the services closed. Yeah. My kids we're all locked up in our homes with just looking at each other and the four walls yeah, 24-7. And for walks, 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 walks. I reckon I did about 28,000 steps a day in those first six weeks. <laughs> and I just I just found that there was no me. And, I, you know, I'm getting, going on Instagram and people are making banana bread and doing paintings. And, and it, I was just like, that's a laugh. Like, I would get a second to go to the toilet on my own at the moment, let alone you know, have the time to go and paint or, or you know, mix up a, a sourdough starter. And I, about three months ago, I said to my husband, look, you know, this is this is just driving me crazy. This having to... My, my daughter won't sleep on her own. She never has. She's like a, a marsupial. She just came out of me and onto my chest and that was that. And <laughs> if you go to bed, she'll come and find you and she'll put her legs under you and she'll go to sleep. But if you get up and try and creep into another bed, she'll come and find you. She just needs that contact and that pressure. And she's 20. And we tried a king, super king, but I don't know if if you've ever had three in a bed, it just, (laughs) no one gets any sleep. And I would go up and get into her bed and she would stay downstairs because she would put her legs under her dad. And then I just thought, looking at her room, and I would be sitting there like half the night waiting for her to go to sleep because that's the other thing you can't do. You, You just don't switch off until both of them are asleep and nothing else can happen so you know that everything's all right for the day but I'd be looking at Elmo and people from Sesame Street and Teletubbies and sometimes I'd be so sleep deprived that you know Elmo would be waving at (laughs) me. Your brain is turning to jelly. (laughs) This is where the nodding statues came from I'm sure. So I I thought I know I'm going to reconfigure the house so that I can claim back a bit of space and up until about a year ago, we had horrible neighbours. They were just awful. They used to bang on the wall whenever the kids were upset about something. And they moved out. So the room that we'd used as a dressing room, one of these tiny boom-build 
bedroom, supposedly, which barely held a bed, mm. we we could use it again as a room. And I thought, well, my son doesn't need anything. What does he have? He has a chest of drawers and a bed. He doesn't spend any time in there other than when he's asleep. So I moved him in there. I grabbed the corner bedroom, which is the best one in the house, with two windows. I put up pink curtains. I bought a white TV. Have you ever heard of anything more kitsch than a white TV? And... I've got the big bed, and every night, my son, as we always did when, he, when his dad was in the north, we sit up and we watch Netflix series or we watch movie series, and then he goes to his room, and I sit in my big bed, and I read my book, or I watch whatever I want, and I just feel like I have a sense of myself again. And, you know, if, if you're always spending all your time, you know, making sure everybody else is is comfortable because that's the, you know the best way for a happy life it's just nice to have that little space and you know my husband doesn't throw his keys and his coins on my dressing table anymore because his dressing table is in his room yeah um i you know i have my things all around me and um yeah i just i and just feel like i have myself how back. does your relationship benefit from that or does it well, the absence of snoring in my room has vastly improved yeah. my ability, my resilience. Well, the snoring makes me homicidal, I have to admit. Can I let you into a secret? That's why I have been in the box room since about 2006. <laughs> because, well, there was a couple of reasons. One, I was getting up at all sorts of crazy, stupid hours. But I allegedly snore. Well, I, it's not allegedly because it's not. We've we've got third party witnesses to my husband. <laughs> oh, I've got video recordings that she records me, and I still don't. Admit yeah, and and to be honest, I've got thick carpet in this room. I'm above his room because we turned the front room into a bedroom. We're like everybody else. We have to, you know, when our children grew, there was no money or anything to move to a bigger house, so we just made the house fit. I have a white noise machine in my room, and it's just an app. It's just a phone sitting in a docking station, and it has heavy rain because I'm Australian. I still love rain, and that almost drowns it out, and I can just mellow out enough to get to sleep. (laughs) Well, I I I wonder, has anybody else done it? I, I hope so. I mean, it doesn't affect our relationship in the other way mm. because we have our visiting times. Uh, we have them on a very set rotor because we've got kids with special needs. I have a home help takes my son to the movies and takes him for a walk on Sunday, and that's our special couple time. And mm. he comes to visit my boudoir, and um, <laughs> I'm delighted to say that because my uh, my home help is HSC funded. Well, the HSC is paying for the ride, so... <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, sorry. For no reason other than time, but that's the line of the day on the opinion line. Thank you very much. Pleasure. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Still some calls coming in about Killarney, uh, people who were down there at the weekend in particular. Um, myself and my partner were in Killarney last weekend. I can most definitely tell you that a very well-known restaurant was jam-packed with people queuing outside. Well over a hundred people, I would say. There was no gather in sight. How are certain restaurants getting away with this but on the other side and listening to the various arguments about the parties in the street and the fella jumping on top of the defibrillator box and all that kind of thing what has Paul Drigg says what has this country come to people complaining about people enjoying themselves and having parties will these curtain twitchers stay in your bedroom and pull the curtains let the rest of us get on with our lives 
All right. 1857-15996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. The tweet at opinionline96, hashtag OL96. And, of course, Facebook, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. Send us a message and mark it, if you will, please for the attention of the opinion line. Now, I have been saying since the start this morning that tomorrow, the 1st of September, is the 1st of autumn. And John was quick off the button to disagree with me. Hi, John. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You disagree? Uh, Yes, totally. Can you you get a bit closer to your phone, please? Yeah. The three months of summer are May, June and July. Who told you that? I was told that by an educated priest. A priest in, right. in school with me, yes. Yes. So you were told, and and no, no, you... we had this argument on a Friday. He came yeah. in on the Monday morning and threw a book at me. You're wrong. So how am I wrong? See, summer starts on the first of February. Our sorry, spring starts on the first of February, March and April, May, June, July are the are the summer months, and August, September, October. And the, the, the autumn months. And what, were the, what was the book, John? Hey? What was the book he gave you? The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> right. Let's yes. bring in Barry. Um, Barry, I think you agree with me, do you? Stay there, John. No, PJ, I don't. You don't? I don't, no. When do if you, you say the spring? When do you say autumn starts? Well, well, PJ, if you just think about it, the 21st of June is midsummer. And the 21st of December is mid-winter. We have four seasons. So if you, if you walk back from them, mm-hmm. the 1st of August is the 1st of autumn. Thing is, there's a problem there. You're tying, you're tying in two things that are not related. Well, if you mid-summer, mid-summer's, mid-summer's day, day, we call it, yeah. But not that we'd call it. it. It is the longest day, and it's the oh, yeah. midsummer's day, and it, midsummer's day means it's the middle of summer. Yes. So May and June and July then has to be summer. Well, let me tell you the meteorological definition. Yeah, I know about them fellas. The yeah. meteorological <laughs> definition. There's meteorological and there's astronomical, and the meteorological definition of spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Spring begins, runs from March 1st to May 31st, summer runs from June 1st to August 31st, and autumn from September 1st to November 30th, winter from December 1st to February 28th. Those are the meteorological definitions okay, of the seasons. Okay, PJ, but if you look at it, the, the, the buds come on the flowers and on the trees and the leaves start coming on the trees in February. I agree. You have no... But, but, you but have hang no on a while now, you see, a couple of years ago, we daffodils out the South Link Road in December, so weather matters nothing. No, 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 no. If you look at it, the spring spring is when growth starts to come back. Yes. Winter, we're dead. But, spring, but flowers can't follow back. the calendar. No, but Mother Nature doesn't follow the calendar either. Right. Mother Nature has four seasons... And who and told you? Came. Who who told you they're the first of May to the first of? Well, oh. well, PJ, if you look at it, the twenty first of June is the longest day in the year. Yes, summer's day. Yes, yeah, and the twenty first of December, which is six months later, yes. is it mid 
winter. Mm. So if you take take mid-winter, you, you can't start winter in December if midwinter is the 21st of December. You can if you're comparing astronomical seasons with meteorological seasons. You can't do well, that. I'm comparing the, the seasons with nature, Mother Nature. That she she created the seasons, and she she made them, and she's not going to change them for meteorological or, or astronomical or anyone else. Now I'm going to stick with the first of September, lads. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's an Irish thing, I think myself. I think I think because of the way we were all taught, one of the things, man for and dera for, we were all taught that. So we all believe it's the first of August, but meteorologically, it's the first of September. But if you have four seasons, PJ, you like you can't have the middle of the of the winter if the start of December starts winter. If you have, if you had, so you're basing the seasons on the two dates of the 21st of December and the 21st of June. Yeah, but they're the two natural dates. They're just equinoxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're two natural. They're solstices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the, the meteor, I I know they say it, and and the meteorological office they're talking about September, Saturn, autumn, but they're 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 on a different wavelength. And what is their wavelength? Yeah, well, their wavelength—I I don't know what their wavelength is—but it's not—it's not nature's wavelength, because you have growth starting in February. Well, you it's, see, there's the problem. You don't. But you do. Not always. You do always. Not all, no, 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 no. I've had—I've seen daffodils on the South Link Road in December. Uh, yeah, okay. You, you, yeah, but you'll see roses at different time of the year as well. But PJ, if you look, the the, the, the crows. The birds, they start building their nest on the 1st of March, on their votes. Yeah. Right? No, they're not going to start building their nests. Or like February is the time that they, they start um, their, their reproduction yeah. period. Yeah? And they build their nests in March. Mm. So February... It's spring. February is spring. February and is spring that, in one definition. Meteorologically, well, first March. Okay, well, it's spring in nature's definition. Def- definition. But who wrote that down? Well, well nature, nature doesn't write anything down. Correct. Please, yeah? Nature doesn't, doesn't write any, anything down. So it doesn't write anything down, but the, the birds... The, 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 so we, we look, we, you look at birds and plants and that kind of stuff, and you think, okay, well, that must be spring, so that must be February, whereas, whereas actual science, which is what meteorological, meteorological science, defines it the other way. Yeah, but where, does it, where, does, where do they come by their science? Part of it is the fact that the earth doesn't, is, on, is on a tilt. Yeah, yes. You know, we're not straight up, like so. <laughs> no, I just, I just threw it the out there because there. I. What's that, John? Yeah, you get there. Birds fly in the winter away to warmer climates, right? They Some come of back, them do. Yeah. Usually around February, they come back to, to nest here. Yeah, and the swallows the same. The swallows the exactly. same. But PJ, exactly. you, 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 
you being from the city probably makes a difference. Oh, we're going to get the city, the city mouse and the country <laughs> mouse here now. Well, well, I'll stick with the science, lads. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John Mackenberry Walsh. A bit of fun, a bit of fun. I've had this argument with friends and family, and I've had this argument with my old teachers. I'll go with what the science says. And uh, the meteorological science says, Thanks, Barrett, John Mackin. Thanks very much. Tomorrow is the first of autumn. It always will be in my book. 1850-715-996. I was remembering uh, Princess Diana uh, before the 11 o'clock news. Where I was uh, in this day in 1997, I was driving back from West Cork. I had been DJing at a wedding in the lovely Dunmore House Hotel down there beyond or near in Shidani. And I was driving back in the early hours of the morning and the weather was foul. Absolutely foul. Foul, so foul that I pulled in out of it because the rain was so heavy. And I pulled in and I turned on the car radio. And normally, my, I'd have a fellow with me who'd travel with me, but he wasn't with me that night. I was on my own in the car. And I turned on the radio and I heard on BBC Radio 5 that she had been in an accident. And I sat there for about 10 or 15 minutes while the rain cleared. And as I drove home, I couldn't get the signal in the car. As I drove home then, I woke up to discover that she had died. And that's where I was. I was in West Cork when I first heard the news on a night of foul weather. Uh, Trina says, I was asleep. My brother came in to wake me and tell me the news. I went back to sleep and I woke up later, went downstairs and said to my mother, I had the strangest dream that Princess Diana died in an accident. And she said to me, it was real. So I heard about it twice. And hi PJ, along with remembering Princess Diana, can we also think back to 30th of August 2001 to the tragic loss of life Tragic loss of little Deirdre Crowley, uh, her father Chris Crowley. Can we take a moment to remember her poor mother Christine? And believe me, I can remember clearly where I was when I heard that shocking news, says Jer. Yes, I do remember that, Jer. I do remember. I remember. Uh, I knew. I knew Chris Crowley um, from Barry's and Douglas, where you'd occasionally see him supping a pint. I do remember. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette. Now at the Junction Vickers Road. Open every day to save you time and money. Selfservicelaundry.ie The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. McCroom Golf Club are hosting a golf classic in aid of Marymount Hospice on Friday the 11th of September. It's a three-person team event and places can be booked on McCroom Golfclub.com. For those who can't play on the day but would still like to donate, visit idonate.ie forward slash Marymount Golf Classic. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 On Cork's 96FM. On Friday, we picked up on some of the Network Cork Awards and we said we'd catch up with a couple more today. The Network Cork City Awards, there was quite a number of categories. And we were talking about the change in the award structure uh, over the summer. And then the various awards were given out in the various categories on Friday. Ivana Debara Kumar is from Himalaya Yoga Valley. And they won the award for the best online business transformation uh, 
which in the middle of a pandemic, we were all forced to change how we do business. But how the heck do you, and do you go from doing yoga classes in a studio to not doing yoga classes in a studio? Ivana, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great altogether. So how do you do that? Um, with a lot of trial and error, I would say at the beginning, um, I think for both the clients and us, a lot of people were just getting familiar with Zoom. So really what we did was we brought our whole yoga studio and everything that we were offering online. So basically where people were previously coming in to our yoga studios, um, they started to do their practice from home. So we developed an app and we reworked our website. We got new technology and basically we made it possible for our teachers to keep teaching and for our clients to keep practicing yoga from home. Was it a sort of... uh a case of, right, what do we do now? What the heck do we do now? We've got to close everything. Or had you been looking at it previously? Well, actually, we have a branch of our centre in Goa, in India, which lots of people from Cork have been to for retreats, etc. More of an education institute. And we had already had some long courses online. However, um, when the pandemic hit, um, you know, we never expected that we would bring our classes in Cork online. So we had a little bit of experience already with some of the technology, but really it was a complete 180. It was, it was just completely different. And for us, I, the first eight weeks, we ran free classes just for our community for mental health to kind of well. And we had literally like attendance of over 100,000 people from all around the world. And it was incredible. But, you know, what I would say, it was a question of, well, what the hell do we do now? We had been, we've been operational in Cork for nearly a decade. We have two centres, one in the city centre and one in Ballancolic. And, you know, we have over a thousand clients, over 70 classes a week between both centres and a big team of probably about 22 teachers, plus all of our office staff. So literally it was like, what do we do? On March 15th, we shut our doors. All of us shed a lot of tears and, you know, but really when we saw the state of people's kind of mental health and their emotional state and when we knew how bad we were feeling ourselves, we knew we had this incredible tool to offer people and we just said, we've just got to get on with it. Like, honestly, we were pretty traumatized, um, mm-hmm. you know, just closing down after, you know, 10 years. And I think, you know, the work we do is so closely connected to people's mental health and for us, a massive gut punch really was not being able to be there for people like we would have people coming into our center um you know mental health health issues perhaps they're going through bereavements you know people think yoga is just stretching but actually 90 percent of people who come to us are coming to us for emotional care and our teachers are very aware of that and we are as well so for us it was the double whammy it wasn't just closing our doors it was who we were closing our doors to and that essentially is the community who means so much to us so immediately you know people were messaging us and they're like i don't know how i'm going to get through this without yoga and we were saying okay we can't let that happen so we've got to get online we've got to do it really professionally we had so many bumps in the road and we had so many and for our clients too like it was new to them we had people you know On our first class, we had, you know, a hacker join the class. Then we had somebody who was meant to be in a maths class, and he ended up staying. And then we had someone shouting. We didn't know how to mute the clients at that time. We had somebody shouting about how their dog had peed on their yoga mat. And then we had somebody else's baby in there. And it was chaotic for the first week. Fun, I'd say. (laughs) 
fun. And you know what? We developed that sense of community and we kept going. And it was a massive undertaking, but we're so proud of everyone involved. And we're so proud as well. Like a lot of our clients would be older people and people who may not be familiar with technology. People who had to adapt to this thing that they never even thought they'd have to use it, let alone take a yoga class on it. So so to be awarded then the Online Business Transformation Award, what does that mean to you? It means everything to us right now because... I think for everybody during this pandemic, PJ, who's had a business, like there's a lot of talk of we're all in this together. And look, in one sense, we are. However, I would like to say that really, you know, we're actually, it's not equal. There's not equal suffering. Like I am doing better than people who have a hotel, for example. I can pivot online. Um, But I have friends who haven't been affected at all in terms of their employment. We've had to let staff go. You know, there's companies that haven't been touched by this because of the industries that they're in. So I think whilst we're all in it together, there has been different degrees of struggle for people. And I think like what how can you put a hotel online? You can't. I have a friend who owns a play center. You can't put that online. So we were really lucky to have the opportunity to go online, but it was a completely new road that we were navigating. We didn't have a lot of support. We had great support though from people like Network Cork, but it was so new to us that it actually, there was a lot of sleepless nights involved and, you know, it was a challenge and to get the award is just, amazing because it's just recognition of it's just someone saying hey you did well you know and that was hard and you know you're going to be okay and you did well and we recognize you and you know network court are always such a great support to women in business in ireland and to get this is a massive honor for us because we had you know incredible other finalists in the category and yeah anyone in business um anyone in business out there i highly recommend you know looking up network court they were such a support to us during the lockdown and to get this award is amazing. Well, congratulations to you for that and, and uh, every success for the future of Himalaya Yoga Valley. That's Ivana Debara Kumar. They won the Online Business Transformation Award uh, from Network Cork. Now, the uh, overall Businesswoman of the Year Award was presented to Linda O'Connell from Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Linda, congratulations. Thanks, William PJ. A bit of a surprise. Um, I probably would say a little bit more than that. <laughs> Tell me about it. Go on. Um, I was a little bit speechless, taken back. Uh, it was a complete and utter shock. Um, yeah, I, I, it was, I blanked out. I think really when they announced it. Yeah. The, um, the work of Vincent de Paul has it changed during lockdown? Um, most certainly. Um, I mean, I've been working with the society for over fifteen years. And this definitely was something we never encountered. I suppose more about how we operate, PJ, than anything else. Um, because our core work, as you know, is face-to-face contact with um, the people we assist. Yes. And quite a lot of our volunteers also are, were in that um, over 70s bracket. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we had to completely and utterly revolutionise how we operated um, and also... You know, the funds were impacted because church door collections would be a massive aspect of um, our revenue stream. We have 230 Vincent charity shops around Ireland and they all had to close down. So, yeah, it was it was massive, really. Um, How do you coordinate a charity like that when your one of your main income streams, the shops, is gone? 
you know what? People were amazing. People were so patient. Uh, we, like everybody else, we didn't know where where things were going. Um, we launched in. We had the first time ever in our lives we launched an emergency appeal, um, and it's not something that this you know in 175 years we've never ever had to do that. And just the response from the public was just unbelievable. And we were then selected for the penultimate uh, Late Late Show. Um, you know, they were doing uh, one charity a week. Yes. And I, to say, I literally nearly um, collapsed on the night from panic, you know, because the volume of traffic that came to the website from people donating and yeah. signing up to become a really volunteer cause. Co- colossal amount of money, you know? wasn't it? How much did, yeah. it, did it make that night? Um, that night alone made just over one million. Ooh. Yeah, um, as I said, I was up till three a.m. that night, and uh, sweat was pouring off me when I could hear my computer binging for every second, and I was yeah. like, "Oh God, the site has got crashed." Yeah. But it was just the volume, and people came back. You know, we were having yeah. to respond to everybody that night and say, "You know, we really, really appreciate it." In terms of people's needs during the the last few months, have they changed? Um. I would honestly say not at the moment because I don't really think it's it's hit people yet. I mean, because everything was so uncertain and we do expect, we, we definitely expect a huge shift coming this Christmas. Um, because, I, I mean, I think with the COVID payment, that kind of buffered a lot of it. Um, and, you know, there was no Holy Communions was the other side of thing and confirmation. Yes. But what I'm now starting to see on social media, people coming and they're saying, you know, I, you know, I lost my job, so I do think that's going to that's going to build momentum. If I'm honest, yes, and that we see yeah. an awful lot of people in 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 autumn and winter saying I'm actually completely penniless. Yeah, and I think again, you know, we, I don't know after the crash the last time we were all going around saying, "Oh, the new poor," you know, that was kind of the new catchphrase um, in society. But I do think there's going to be so many people. That, you know, because we don't know even, I was in town at the weekend just walking around and the amount of shops that are closed and that won't open up ever yeah. again, you know. Yeah. Um, each one of those think, is jobs and each job yeah. is a family and, yeah. And they've never asked for help and, you know, and that's the other thing I would always say is, like, don't ever be ashamed to ask for help because that's what we're there for and where we can, we will. Well, congratulations to you on, on the award anyway, Linda. Thank you. And, and uh, long may the success continue of the St. Vincent de Paul and uh, very worthwhile charity. Linda O'Connell, um, the overall businesswoman of the year at the Network Cork Awards. Margarito Sullivan is the president of Network Ireland Cork. Margarito, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are so, you this morning? Good, good. Some very worthy winners in there. Um Absolutely, yeah. You know, you you hear from um, Ivana there and Linda, they're just amazing business ladies. Mm. And we were delighted to be able to recognise them. You know, we had, it's our 13th annual Network Cork Business um, Woman Award. You had to change the whole model of it, didn't you? We absolutely had to um, transform it this year. I suppose the needs of our businesses and, you know, the, the, what our members were experiencing was so, so different come the, first of March so we really transformed the awards so I suppose what they were doing was reflecting the uh, resilience and grit and you know determination that our business business women and our employees our solo business owners had to experience to transform their businesses in the light of, of the pandemic so we had six categories and they were from the online business transformation to business innovation 
emerging new businesses and then also recognising transformation employees and uh, a new category this year, PJ, which is so important, was really, you know, looking at the power within champion. So someone who really had to step forward and, and you know, really transform what they were doing to, to reflect um, our current environment, you know. So our winner of that was Judy um, from, Enver- from Enable Ireland. And, you know, she really, you know, looked at how she transformed what she did yeah. uh, to be able to step forward and, and show power within. And, you know, that's that's what was amazing. Yeah. So we, were, we were delighted to be able to, you know, as a, you know, Network Cork, organization to really be able to recognize and you know shine the light on the amazing talent that's in in cork uh, we have amazing business women in cork mm. and i was really proud that our awards reflected the diversity of our membership you know we were able to reflect i suppose the efforts from employees from solo business women from um, you know social entrepreneur where we had madeline murray from you know Ch- from she won the uh, degrees, yeah. by degrees and amazing you know to look at you know the efforts that we're doing in sustainable um, environment and time and climate change to be able to step forward there so it was it, you know it was an amazing uh, occasion for us and it's our flagship event but um, with the backing of Brown Thomas again this year in in a year that is really I suppose a challenge for everybody mm. we were able to have a great online celebration yeah. on Friday yeah. and, um, and, and it was great to see it being able to, to, to happen I know that you were all concerned would you be able to do it and would it actually work out the same and it's actually yeah. been been a great success well done Marguerite and to all the award winners thank you for that that's Marguerite O'Sullivan President of Network Ireland Cork actually the full list was um, Trudy McDade won the Power Within Award Linda O'Connell Transformative Employee uh, Solo Businesswoman Maeve Langford of Kaleidoscope Emerging New Business, Madeline Murray of Change by Degrees. Business Innovation, Jenny Murphy of Red Balloon. Online Business Transformation, Ivana Debarakumar. We talked to her. And overall Businesswoman of the Year was Linda O'Connell, Society of St. Vincent de Paul. 1850-715-996. I totally agree, says this message, that tomorrow is the first day of autumn. Uh, Anthony says, Does tell him the song says winter, spring, summer and fall. We have four seasons and the two boys are right. But you don't give me any reason why, Anthony. Jackie says, PJ, I'm laughing here. Should we get the four seasons in one hour in this country? But I do agree with you about the 1st of September. Audrey thinks I should do a poll. Maybe not. Uh, if seasons begin on the 1st of any month and Midsummer's Day, and uh, you're confusing me, Martin, but to take your point, thanks. 1850-715-996. In a few minutes' time, back to Killarney. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Junction, Vickers Road, Supermarket, Solid Fuel Depot and a self-service laundrette. Your one stop for everything. Cork's 96FM is now streaming even more music choice. More music choice. Check out the Hit Mix online for fresh new music. Keep on dancing like you ain't got a choice. And stream the all-new Fit Mix for your workout. Listen on your phone and smart speaker. Turn up the volume. Or go, go, go to 96fm.ie. We want to go back uh, to Killarney. (laughs) 
I suppose it should be stressed, like, you'll see lively scenes pretty much any Saturday night you want in Killarney, or indeed in any other town around the country where people get together in good spirits and very little harm being done. And then you'll see that, fellas, climbing up on top of telephone boxes with defibrillators in them and all of that. And it just gives the town a bad name that it does not deserve. Um, but it's very disappointing to watch. Danny Bow, you've been in the hotel business for how long, Danny? Going on 50 years now, right. CJ. And when you see those kind of scenes? Well, first of all, they're not, they're not, they, don't, they don't happen in Killarney too often, thankfully. Mm. Killarney is a very well-run town. It's, um, the publicans in town, the hoteliers in town, they, they, they abide by the rules and regulations that are laid down by government or health authorities, whatever. That, um, they're 99% of us are doing the best we can, as far as I can gather. Yeah, and they're difficult regulations to live with, they're, I know. They're tough, they're tough, but look, we, it's, that's, that's the life we have now, unfortunately. And as I say, we are, we are, the guys that I know, we are, we are all abiding by the laws, if that's the word to use. Yeah, yeah. I think that the, the bit that was bothering people most was the, to see them with plastic pints in their hands. Where were they getting it from? Well, that's what, uh, that's my point. Where did they, these people have what looked like beer, beer in glasses or cups, whatever they were at this, at that hour of the morning, like it was 12, 31 o'clock, I believe, that that video was shot. That um, and 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 the, the the guidelines laid down is that we're the pubs and and restaurants and everything have to be closed and and all people have to vacate the premises by eleven thirty. Yeah, and uh, this now an hour and a half later, so you know whatever it was, it 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 is disappointing that some people see fit to be responsible with no respect for others and for the guidelines laid down by government and the P and the and the HSE people. All these people are working their butt off to have to try and to keep to keep us all safe. Yeah. You know, and you have these people just coming out and they don't care. As up on the top of a phone box, which is a box for it's it's a phone box for a defibrillator. Yeah. It's 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 a safe thing to have in the middle of town. Yeah. 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 And, and and they just they have no respect whatsoever. And then the, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's just it's 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 a sorrowful thing to happen in Killarney. You know, I, and I contacted a friend of mine who has a business near there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I asked him had he seen it. He said no. He was gone home for the night. But he said the one thing I'll guarantee is they're not locals. Well, that's that. The word, the people that I, few people I've spoken to since it happened, to tell me they're not locals. But we don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that. I was I was at home in my own house. I wasn't out, you know. I didn't see it unless I saw it on, on, on the on the video, you know. Yeah. Is there a problem, um, Danny, with with Airbnb at the moment? Uh, big groups of young people coming down to Clarny or any other town for the weekend, booking Airbnbs and putting twenty into a house. I don't know. Maybe some of these people should be out in Spain or Portugal, and they can't go. Yeah, that's 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 the question you could ask. You know, I don't know. They're all young people. I don't know, but they simply have plenty of money to spend and spend on food or whatever they spend it on food and drinking. Like the amount of pizzas you see, pizza boxes around in the videos and everything. Like at that hour of the night, like it's it's half nine, it's it's half ten. It's it's closing time, isn't it for? For restaurants and all that type of thing. Now, well, most of them, yeah, they, they can want carry, you can carry a pizza o'clock. around all day if you yeah. want to, but. Yeah. I, 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 I know it's just a sorrowful thing to happen in Killarney because the lads in town, I'm, I'm a little out of town, but the lads in town are breaking their backs off to keep everything right and yes. do the best they can in these difficult times. They've lost three months of a season. As I say, I'm a frequent visitor, so, yeah. so I know how the town is managed, and it's managed very well. It is, yes, of course yeah. it is, yeah, and, it's, and it, it's a good, clean town. But then we have to turn around in the morning and have it cleaned up before 8 o'clock in the morning before anybody else sees it, which, which again is done by the local people. Mm. It isn't done by these brats out at night time. 
Yeah. Who's to, who's to, who's to blame, Danny? I mean, young people will be young people. They will expend their energies. And when they have been, and I'm not backing them up now, but they have been cooped up for months and they've lost so much out of their lives, when they let the hair down, they're inclined to go too far sometimes. Well, if, 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 if you go listening to the comments made by the Garda, they say that the laws are not strict enough for them, to, that laws that are being handed down or the guidelines that are being handed down are not forceful enough. They can't, they can't go in and, and raid a pub and they can't, do, they can't do certain things. They're not allowed to do it because there's, there's no legal, legal standing in it. Mm. Now, that's what, I'm only hearing that from the guards. Now, I haven't gone into that myself. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but ah no, it's 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 a sad day for it's a sad night for Killarney. Thankfully, it's, I hope it be a twenty four hour wonder, and and somebody will cop on to know that whoever is giving them drink or whatever the case was, they won't do it again. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, they're, they're talking about the guards coming out, and they're, they're, the government are going to a meeting tomorrow, I think, and they're going to bring in legislation that guards will have more power to go to 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 Close do the their duty down, more yeah. if they can, you know. But their yeah. their hands are tied too. Yeah, the, the, the guards have been complaining. Yeah, that, I believe that, so. Yeah, Look the, the government want them to have, do yeah. all these things, but they actually don't have a whole pile of power. No, they don't. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of people know they don't have any power. Well, I suppose I suppose the ones that the togs do, yeah, the togs do. I didn't. I I wouldn't really know. You know, they were not going out, but the the, the, the ones that are causing all the grief, like I were. How can you get to the state? Some of the marine in an hour and a half if they live by the guidelines. That's that's the other point. That's a very good point. You know, I, I don't know what, what anybody's consumption is. We're all different. But in an hour and a half, I don't know what you drink in an hour and a half. I was certainly not, I don't know. You could, you could drink a lot too if you wanted, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But to get to that situation, open boxes and, and stripping down to just the shorts on him, like that's, like that's, that guy with video evidence should possibly be prosecuted if it's possible to prosecute him. But I don't know if the law is there to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, in, I don't in, believe in, there was anything broken. I don't believe there was any damage done in town to property that I know of. Yeah, it just didn't look good, did it? It didn't look good. Then up the street further, there was a, a fight in another area up the street, and another video like that happened That's right. at the last night as well. Like, the fight, the fight was night. horrendous. Actually, the fight, the fight was vicious, absolutely vicious. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's again, it's it's in areas where people congregate when there's when there's when they're when they're out of the the social scene of, of pubs or, or nightclubs or call it what you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Danny. Listen, how is the hotel business going? I know it's hard, and I know you've got all sorts of restrictions to live with. But the I hotel mean, business was fine up to um, up to la- up to the weekend. It was we, we we did what we could do for the few weeks we were open from the kind of first week in July up to the end of August, which is just finished. Like it's they all they all a lot of people are going back to school and families are gone. So. I think we've lost that element of, of the family business in Killarney, which was all over the place, in, all over the town, and it was good for the town, and we're all happy with it, to my knowledge. Um, it's, um, business has dropped, it'll drop 50, 60% in the next week or 10 days. That's the problem. Yes, very definitely, and I think it'll, what will happen, who's going to go on holidays in September, I don't know, hopefully we'll get some few people around the place because they can't go anyplace else, and they might come back to Killarney, but Saturday night things doesn't help the Killarney scene. Yeah. Tell me one more thing before I let you go, Danny. I, I a lot of anecdotal stuff. Um, my 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 daughter was was in Kerry for her holidays down down in the the Cahardaniel area, yes. and and she was telling me that she saw a lot of English reg cars. Uh, have there been a lot of English reg cars and a lot of American visitors? 
Or is um, that just a rumor? I certainly didn't see any American visitors. Um, I've seen one or I've seen one or two English Reg cars, but I they could be people home on holiday. Absolutely. A lot of those because they they will tend to come home in July August time. A lot of people, you know. Yeah, that's true too. That's true. I was down South Kerry myself for if back back earlier in July, and there, there was one or two English cars around. But I, you wouldn't pay much ten- attention to the PJ because they'd been there all the time, you know. It's true, it's true. Danny, listen, good luck to you and, and to all of your staff down there in the Castle Ross Park Resort in Fossa in Killarney, fine part of the world. That's Danny Bow, 1850 a couple of quick ones to finish up. <laughs> They're still arguing about the, the autumn uh, and whether tomorrow is the first day. I went and I looked it up even better, even more. I, there were, I had a couple of minutes where we had the song playing and, and the ad break and all of that. And I went for a quick look through. I can find no reference anywhere to spring beginning in February. None. There's no reference at all other than what you might have been told in school that law, Fela, Bridget, or law, first of February was the first. It never was. It never will be. The if you go to the astronomical dates, right, which uses the equinoxes and the solstices. For example, summer solstice, uh, or we call it midsummer day, right? That's the twenty first of June. Like that's when summer actually begins astronomically. So spring begins on the spring equinox, which means this year spring started on the twentieth of March. Summer begins on the summer equinox, 21st of June. Autumn astronomically begins on the autumn equinox, which is the 22nd of September. And winter begins on the winter solstice, the 21st of December. So that's the astronomical dates. Again, March, June, September and December. Just like the meteorological dates are March, June, September and December. There's no way spring starts in February and there's no way autumn starts in August. All right? 1850-715-996. Quickly to line, where am I going? Three. Cleana is at uh, my canine companion and you had an unfortunate incident at the weekend. Cleana, good morning. Hi, PJ. Thanks for taking the call. Not at all. What happened? We did, um, we had one of our, we train, um, we're a charity, my kind of companion, we train service dogs for children with autism and we um, are based in Blackpool and unfortunately we, like over COVID we were working um, from home mostly and we just have our dogs due, our, our, our new batch of training dogs are due to come in on Wednesday and um, unfortunately between Friday night and, or between Thursday night and Friday, um, one of our runs for the dogs was robbed from our unit out in Blackpool. So, um, and to be fair, they were quite cheeky because they came in and they took it apart. It would have taken them two or three hours now to take this apart. So they took the run apart on Thursday night. Now, I was here myself on Friday morning at nine o'clock and I hadn't actually even realised because we have it at the side, like where the runs would be. They're so that um, we don't kennel dogs here, but we would. It's a, it's where we would be based and our dogs would be in and out here during the day. Right. So when they're dropped in in the mornings, because it's like... What's, um, what size of a structure is this, Tina? Oh, it would have been, well, it would be six foot t- tall. And then there was an actual, like an actual roof on it as well. You know, there's an apex roof on it, which had a covering. Right. Um, so that all had to be taken apart. And um, it's, I think it was um, maybe six foot by ten foot. Crikey. So, um, 
that kind of a size or it could have been it could be 10 foot square right as well I can't exactly like remember it's not the, the thing you're going to stick into the boot of a car or the back oh, no, of a van oh no it has to, to be it would take two men now three hours to take it apart like in during the um, storm was it storm not storm Francis one of Ellen, them anyway there Ellen. yeah it, it had blown over on top of one of the others and it had actually got jammed on top of it and we had tried to take it down and it, we like we couldn't we weren't strong enough to take it down so two of the lads were going to take it apart so Nora one of the girls and myself we were here on, on, on we were working Friday morning but we were we had arrived we had arrived here at Friday at nine o'clock and we had gone away to an appointment and we arrived back at about half twelve and Nora said to me the run is gone and I looked and I said I was no it's not look I said I said the lads must have taken it apart already. I said, she's did that quickly. I said, because look at it, it's inside in the, another one of the in one of the pens. It's a pen, like. So they had taken it apart and they had left it there because, you see, they couldn't take it away with them. They'd obviously come in, I would say, over some of the barriers or something and they couldn't actually take it away because you'd have to take it away by, by van. Right. It wouldn't even fit into a car, do you know what I mean? So then they drove in. So it was still there at that point, but we just thought that the lads had taken it apart themselves or something like that, you know? Mm. And... Um, but cheeky, then by the time Colin it. actually came down to actually physically fix the pen, it was gone. And that was at four o'clock. So they actually came back at some point between kind of half twelve, one o'clock and four o'clock on Friday afternoon and loaded it back up. Now, they drove in and they I'm, like, I'm actually delighted that we weren't there and saw them because, you know, um, I wouldn't like to have been challenging them on it either. You yeah. know, or one of the staff Cheeky. has been. You know, so how can we help, Cleana? Well, I suppose. Look, we're just asking if anybody noticed any anything. If anybody sees someone suddenly putting up one of these dog pens, um, and it would it, you know, it, it isn't a brand new pen. You'd kind of note that it wasn't brand new out of a shop, um, or if they're offered one for sale, to let us know. Um, now the Garden Watercourse Road, they are investigating it, and and they're being very helpful, and obviously they're looking through different video footage and stuff like that, okay. um. But just if there is anybody um, out there, because obviously we have our dogs coming in now, and this is and really how much is it worth? because they yeah. also, yeah. it's it, I think it's worth about four hundred and fifty euros. But also, like they broke the sensor, the sensor light as well. Okay. Um, I don't know. Do they just break that? So they because they didn't want the light on them, but they got up on top. It looks like they may have got up on top of the wheelie bins and and broke the light. Oh. Um. So, and I mean, this is, it's quite, it's it, where we are now, it's in, in Sunbeam Industrial Street. It's, it's very, you know, there'd be nobody passing or anything. Like it's right down in the back, at the back of kind of the, where Dulux would have, would be, you know. Um, so it's, um, they, you wouldn't even be driving past or walking past. It sounds past like, it's it like sounds like it was well planned. Oh, it was well planned. It was yeah. well planned. And I mean, we have the charity sign up, big huge sign, my canine companion, autism service dog up outside the unit like it's not like I suppose that's what do you know what PJ we're very very disappointed it takes a particular breed of screw yeah it does like you know you're kind of here and you kind of think you know like we're here and we're trying to do our best we're really struggling with Covid and all this and fundraising is really you know really we're really struggling and like we're still here we're we're trying to keep the staff going and you're trying to keep the morale up and it's very upsetting for all of us well if anybody can help if anyone knows that they can contact you guys on Facebook or Instagram or they can contact Watercourse Road either if they know anything or they notice anything suspicious or anything you know All right, listen I'm running running out of time but thanks very much Tina O'Rourke she's Director of Training for My Canine Companion they had a run stolen uh, over the weekend 
weekend and it took a bit of work to steal it. You would have to dismantle it and take it away and just pure badness in some people. Listen, I won't get to me hall, Doc. You can leave him there. To, we'll talk to him tomorrow. Um, but thanks for that, Cleaner. And that's it. Edited by Fergal Barry. Produced and researched by Doc Martin today. And we shall see you tomorrow just after nine. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.